Good afternoon. It is Brett McGarry with Tristan Field-Jones in for Greg Mackling today. Although Greg Mackling is still here because we have the announcement of the Canadian Music Madness winner to come in a moment. If you go to the 680 CJOB Facebook page, you can see a live stream of this protest that is brewing uh, at Deacon's Corner, Trans-Canada Highway, heading into Lake of the Woods. And they're just fanning out now across the road. And I can't, it looks like they're, they're okay, now they've gone off to the side of the road. So not entirely sure where, at what point they are going to block the road, but they are moving the Air 680 chopper is hovering above and streaming this live. So if you're heading towards Deacon's Corner, at some point you may find yourself blocked by a protest. So watch out. Indeed. Yeah, that, that could be, that could cause some traffic nightmares later on. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but we'll keep you up to date when it comes to that. Um, We've been talking about Canadian music all day, and as I mentioned beforehand, Greg, this is a dangerous combination because Mm -hmm. I could talk about music forever and ever and ever. I think there's two things that we like to talk about most while sitting around a campfire. It's sports and music. (laughs) And we've probably prompted and started a a ton of conversation on the music side. The sports stuff will take care of itself with the Bombers playing tomorrow night and the NHL free agency kicking in tomorrow. Mark Stewart is no longer. The Jets are going to buy him out, basically. So uh, that conversation, we'll put it aside right now, but you're right. Uh, Music can be very... It connects us, but it can be very divisive, as we've learned over the last <laughs> <Yeah>. 24 hours. <laughs> over the last few days, actually, ever since. And, and for those of you who aren't aware, uh, our producer extraordinaire, Kyle Milroy, put together this great March Madness-like bracket connecting sports and music right there, I guess. Yeah, good Where point. we had 64 uh, Canadian artists or bands, and you kind of had to narrow it down. And poor Kyle got a lot of hate because uh, a lot of people, our own <laughs> Kelly Moore here said there wasn't enough country on there. We had uh, a few people saying, why wasn't this band on there? Why wasn't that band on there? I mean, it's it, music is such an opinionated uh, 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 topic. And, and, you know, there's really at the end of the day, there's no right or wrong when it comes to a lot of it. So, but oh, it's been a fascinating conversation on the newsroom. We've spent. I can't think of the number of times that I, we've been just looking at the bar- bracket and suddenly it's like, wait a minute, 20 minutes have gone by and we've just been talking about music the whole time. And that's been the case for the whole week. And, and Brett, a lot of it is surrounded about who was left off the <laughs> yeah. bracket. And yeah. I know that that's kind of where you guys are going to pick up here for uh, the next little bit. But before we do that, we should probably announce who has actually emerged victorious in this. Now, Greg, can you just sort of recap who was in? So we had four regions. There was the Poutine region. That's right. Where the Tragically Hip were the top seed. There was the Butter Tart region where Rush was the top seed. Rush was ousted by the band in the Elite Eight. Uh, the Ketchup Chips region top seed was Neil Young. And in the Pea Meal Bacon region, Celine Dion. And she did not make it. Uh, how far did she get? Celine Dion got knocked out uh, in the uh, group of 16, the Sweet 16. By Jan Arden? Uh, by uh, Brian Adams, who oh, okay. ended up beating out Shania Twain to make it into the into the finals. So we've got Brian Adams, Neil Young, the band, and the Tragically Hip. And although we still have about 14 minutes left to vote on the Twitter machine. Oh, pardon me. I thought we have 13 vo- minutes left. The uh, 680 CJOB Election Center is prepared <laughs> to make a declaration. We're going to declare... Uh, <laughs> and, and, Do we and, have a breaking news? To yeah. uh, no? And, and, okay. and ladies and gentlemen, this will not be a minority government. Let's put it that way. It will not be a minority government. It was not even a minority choice. The well, tragic- hang on. Oh, uh, well, what? 
From the 680 CJOB News Center, this is Breaking News. Please don't accuse us of fake news here. Uh, Canadian Music Madness champion, we have this declaration. The Tragically Hip have been there declared the favorite Canadian musical act by 680 CJOB listeners, as well as our crack staff of musicologists, experts, not-so-expert contributors here this morning and for the last several days. So congratulations to the hip. They beat out Brian Adams. And depending on whether or not you go to the Facebook poll or the Twitter poll, Adams is leading on Twitter. Uh, Neil Young is leading on our Facebook poll. Really? Yes. And you're right. And the band? Blasphemous. I know it was Richard Cloutier's, or Richard Cloutier's, Jeff Courier show we were doing this morning. And the band might be his favorite band of all time. Still sacrilegious that Rush did not make it through into the final, and that's all I'm going to say about that. As far as Brian Adams is concerned, I have, and this could be an urban myth, but I've heard that as far as music stations go in, I don't know if it's just this region or in Canada, but I once heard where, like, because when they program their music, I think a lot of it is done by computer, right? The computer kicks out X amount of CanCon and X amount of this and X amount of that, but then... Based on some research, this radio station went in and manually inserted, made sure that Brian Adams popped up once every hour or something oh, like wow. that, because the research said more Brian Adams, more Brian Adams. I mean, as far as radio music is concerned, I don't know that I can think of a single artist who has more radio-friendly, kind of yet rocky sort of music, right? It's very rockin', but it's not hard rock. It's not a turn-off. No, I think you're right. I think there is something very pleasant about Brian Adams. I've been trying to see Brian Adams for a second time since 1983. He opened for Loverboy at the old Winnipeg Arena. I went to the big concert at Birds Hill Park back in, what was that, 1991? And it was freezing cold and raining. I bugged out, could not handle it, and left before he came on stage. So I haven't seen him in like 30 years. Would love to see him again. Uh, I'm a big fan of Brian Adams, but the Tragically Hip, uh, they are your top choice. Uh, Tough to argue with. I'm a Guess Who guy. Oh, yeah. You know, I love the Guess Who and uh, would have loved to see them make it through to the final and maybe win this thing, but it was not to be. I'm not surprised. Well, I mean, I made this prediction yesterday with me, you, and Hal. I said it's going to be um, just a tragically hip. We're going to march to to victory. I think that uh, you know they at least when I when I was a younger guy in the '90s, the hip was they'd play the hip at all the bars. Everybody was a huge hip booster. And now with what Gordowney is going through, there's a lot. Uh, they've sort of come back into the mainstream, so to speak. And I mean, they're they're. I don't know that they would be my personal favorite, but they are a great Canadian band. You know what? I have to say something controversial here. Um, I like the hip, but from from my opinion, I don't think they're a Final Four contender. I know that's going to upset a lot of listeners, but I I really, I think from a musical perspective, I have tons of admiration for what Gord Downey is doing, but from a musical perspective, I don't think they're a Final Four uh, band. I really don't. And that's just my opinion on it. That's okay. That's why we have these discussions. <laughs> Tristan Field Jones, you're always stirring the pot. Well, when it comes to music, I stir the pot all the time. I know you love the Guess Who. Oh, yes. Here's here's a fact that Burton Cummings used to like to share. And this was, oh, as of about 15 years ago. So we'll say as of 15 years ago. He insisted that a Guess Who song was on the radio somewhere in the world every second of every day. Mm, That's really? pretty powerful. Yeah. Mm. That's wow. pretty powerful reach.
for a band from little old Winnipeg? Well, they had in the 1970s, and we're talking on the U.S. Billboard charts, they had several songs that made it into the top 10. They they weren't a one-hit wonder in the U.S., but I mean, American Woman, No Time, I think uh, those are two that come to mind right off the bat. Well, American Woman has been remade how many times, been featured in how much American cinema. Mm -hmm. You know, the Americans kind of, Lenny Kravitz, if you ask who sings American Woman, uh, most people say, well, that's a Lenny Kravitz song. No, it's not. It's like Streetheart with (laughs) Under My Thumb. Who sings Under My Thumb? Well, that's Streetheart. Mm, they might do it best, but the Rolling Stones did it first. <laughs> it's it's not a, American Woman is is not a Lenny Kravitz song. No, that's it's not, not. It uh, no. Tristan's I'm, disgusted. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'll, I'll I'll leave it behind. We'll me. let Tristan catch his breath. Greg Mackling, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, boys. And get enjoy your early start to the long weekend. And yeah. thank you for champ helping to champion this Canadian music madness. And once again, thanks to Kyle Milroy for putting together this fabulous bracket. I know he's taken a lot of flack, uh, but good for you. And especially from me, where I just told him he's wrong <laughs> for, for being the tie-breaking vote You're and not picking the, only the band. One. I think everybody did. <laughs> but hey, I appreciate his effort. He might be wrong, but I appreciate his hard work. <laughs> After we look at your forecast, Tristan and I are going to offer up some alternative suggestions. Not groups or acts that you might think of as being the greatest, but hey, they're still great and we both like them. So we'll do that after your forecast up next. It's Brett McGarry with Tristan Field-Jones in for Greg Mackling and actually on that thought. This is Tristan and McGarry on 680 CJOB. (laughs) Thank you, Brett. I almost forgot about that intro. Why is what is wrong with that? You say no, that no, with nothing. disdain. I don't say that with disdain. I'm okay. like, oh, I almost forgot about it. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. I did, had it made for you. That was with well, the help lovely. of our Thank producer you. extraordinaire, Nicole Bonacamp. <laughs> you know how much I, I don't really care about Led Zeppelin. Um, so hmm. just a quick heads up on this protest again. If you want to get more information on it, we are live streaming it at 680 CJOB's Facebook page. This is a protest. First Nations activists from Winnipeg. Getting ready to shut down a portion of Highway 1 east of the city. This is at Deacon's Corner. Now, they have not yet moved into the street. They are still on the side of the road, just waving flags. But we will keep you posted as to when they move into the street because we are expecting this protest to last for a number of hours. Now, let's put an end to the the Led Zeppelin. We're talking about Canadian music madness, uh, which has been up on our website, cjob.com, and our Facebook page and our Twitter account. Thanks to everybody for your votes. And once again, to Kyle Milroy for putting this together and for Greg Mackling for waving the flag on this. Uh, Now, once again, Tragically Hip were victorious, defeating Brian Adams in the final the band and Neil Young also went to the final four. But Tristan and I were talking yesterday afternoon and we were sort of discussing how, you know what, there are a lot of great Canadian acts that maybe you wouldn't think to put on this bracket or mm-hmm. even as we sort of jokingly, because this was set up like a March Madness style bracket, we have on our whiteboard in the newsroom an NIT bracket, which is sort of the the teams who are not quite good enough to make it into the top 64 I can think of, I actually have come up with some that didn't make the bra- the main bracket or the NIT, but before we look at some of the things that I came up with, Tristan, what sort of jumps to mind for you for maybe not necessarily off the beaten path, but... Well, I I have so many selections, I'm sure we'll play this throughout the day, but uh, you know what, Brett, uh, there's one particular song. Does that sound familiar to you at all? It sounds familiar, yes. Uh, you'll recognize it when it gets into the chorus here, but this is Oh What a Feeling by Crowbar. They were a one-hit wonder back in 1971, I believe, and uh, this was 
the song that they're known for here. This is a nice little ditty. Yeah, this is one of those songs you've probably heard a million times before, but you don't know who does it or... Uh, yeah, you don't know who does it or the origins or anything like that, but this is by a Canadian band, a one-hit wonder, essentially. That's a great selection. Yep. What else you got? Uh, let's try this one here for a second. Uh, now, this is a much uh, a much more famous band, if you will, uh, called Chilliwack, and they're based out of BC, named after the city there. And uh, here's another one of their songs. I mean, they had several hits in the late 70s. Okay. This is one of their better-known ones, Fly By Night. Fly by Night by Chilliwack. Those are a couple of my selections, Brett. Uh, I'd like to hear some of yours. Well, as it turns out, I, I, if I were to select a favorite band ever for me personally, and I'm not saying I think this is the greatest band ever, but I just really like their music, it would be Econoline Crush, led by Trevor Hurst. The band is from Vancouver, but Trevor Hurst is a native of Verdon, Manitoba. And you would probably... I, I, would, I think that it's safe to say that the song they are most recognized for is this one. All That You Are from 1997 album The Devil You Know. I like this song, but this one is probably my favorite. song called Home. They were they had this kind of industrial rock sort of sound and it also at the time kind of dovetailed nicely I think with the electronic dance music craze of that particular moment. And there's another track on that album which I really like as well called Elegant. They have many albums. I just happen to pick three songs off of The Devil I, You Know. That, you know, without even knowing anything about the band, 90s rock. Oh, definitely 90s rock. <laughs> so well, obviously 90s rock. Well, yeah, because they had uh, their previous album, I think, was in 1995-ish. And they had uh, their biggest success was enjoyed in the 1990s. I mean, the, the 1990s were a great time for Canadian rock and roll. And... Uh, Here's another song, actually, from 1997, a band that I'm a little surprised didn't make the, the bracket. The Tea Party, that song is called Temptation, or as I like to call it, Shemptation, because that's what it sounds like you say, <laughs> from the 1997 album Transmission. Tea Party, another great... Canadian band, but the 1990s were a wonderful time for Canadian rock and roll because they were all successful, I think, largely because of uh, much music. Yeah. You know, because of their CanCon requirements. Like, as I look at this bracket, I see Our Lady Peace, 
Uh, tons of success in the 90s. I, Mother Earth, tons of success. Nickelback, I think they probably enjoyed more of their success in the 2000s and continue to this day. Matthew Goodband. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just had the Tea Party and a Conline Crush. I could go on and on and on. And they were all successful in this country. And uh, maybe that was a good time for Canadian rock. It was just a good time for rock as well until the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears came along and yeah. with their pop music and sort of ruined the fun for uh, pretty much all of rock and roll. But that's a completely different... <laughs> ruined everything. That's a different uh, conversation. We have two minutes. Do you have any other suggestions? Well, you know what, Brent? I was just going to say, do we want to go... I don't know if you got, had the chance to go through the uh, elimination uh, or through the 64 team elimination bracket for ma- Music Madness, but I've got my Final Four selection here, Okay. if you do. So, again, what, what we came down to as a consensus as a group was uh, the Tragically Hip who won Neil Young, Brian Adams, and the band. But for me personally, um, and I, I told Kyle Milroy, he put this together, said, I'm not picking between my Final Four because I'm not. And um, <laughs> You're just not. No, I'm just not. But I ended up with the Guess Who, Rush, Gordon Lightfoot, and Sam Roberts. Those oh, really? would be my, my top four. Yeah, I know Sam Roberts is probably, I mean, I absolutely love his stuff, and but that's more of a personal taste. I would never expect him to make it that far. But uh, Rush and Guess Who for sure would be the top two, but I'm not picking. Okay, well. Because I'm not. Out of just looking at this bracket, if I had to pick just the number one, it would be Rush, uh, particularly for, I think, one of the greatest uh, musical moments in in all of history. The rapping skeleton. Why do you have to bring that up every time? From Rush. It's Roll the Bones. You know, you bring that every time. Well, because you see the song is called the Roll the Bones. Right. Yes. So they got a, a rapping skeleton who's made of bones, and he's right. rapping. No, why do you have to bring that? Every time we talk about Rush on the show or ever, you always have to bring that part okay, of... Here, okay, let me let me wash this taste out of your mouth, and it'll play a good part from the song, is it? Is this better now? Yeah, that's better. That's okay. the good part of the song. <laughs> This is I. I have a pension for this song because this is the first uh, song that I really came to like from Rush. This was really my first exposure to this band in the early 1990s. So this is always going to be my favorite Rush song. And the fact that it annoys you makes me even happier. It is coming up to Global News at 1:30. Brett McGarry with Tristan Field Jones in for Greg Mackling. Tristan's got Global News up next. Brett McGarry with Tristan Field-Jones in for Greg Mackling this afternoon on 680 CJOB. And with Canada Day tomorrow, we have been, of course, talking about a lot of things, all things Canadian. For example, tomorrow, don't forget that we have Richard Cloutier and Mm. Julie Buckingham. It's Canada 150 on 680 CJOB. Richard and Julie will be at the Canadians' picnic in the park at Assiniboine Park. From noon until 4, they will be broadcasting live. On 680 CJOB, capturing the sights and sounds of Canada Day, our global news reporters will be covering festivities all around the city. And of course, Hal Anderson from 7 until 10 a.m. and Tom Milroy from 10 a.m. until noon are also live as they are every Saturday. They will have a ton of Canada Day themed programming. In the meantime, I have a book in my dirty little Transconian mitts called You Might Be From Canada If... It's a, it's a book of cartoons. It's from Michael Deatter, and he joins us now live from... Are you in the Maritimes, Michael? Yes, I'm in Halifax. I uh, I am sorry to say I have not been to your part of our country, and it is on my bucket list. It just every, yep. it makes me sort of sad when I... I try not to think about it, actually, now that I mention it, because it's such a lovely part of this country, and I don't think I've ever spoken to anybody from the Maritimes who was not one of the nicest people ever, so... 
We're happy to have you on our station, sir. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. Yes, you got to make it out here someday, for sure. So how did you go about assembling this book? You might be from Canada, if. Well, I knew it was going to be a daunting task. I, I, I really just uh, put one foot in front of the other and got to work. I started off by just doing recollections of what I thought we, we had in common and, you know, things like Mr. Dress Up and television and, uh, you know, the Canada-Russia series from 1972. And then I, you know, explored other areas of the country, uh, all, all provinces, territories, and compiled uh, a book. And um, I edited out the ones that I didn't think worked and added the ones I thought were missing. And here you go. You, interesting you mentioned that, Michael, because this book really does cover all sorts of illustrations. Like you've got the the, the funny examples, you know, for instance, uh, uh, you might be Canadian if you already got beer and poutine on this book. And the only image there is some stain marks, which is great. <laughs> yeah. uh, but on, on the other side, though, there's some uh, references to, for instance, uh, the Oka crisis. We don't always get along or truth and reconciliation. You believe in that. And I, I thought it was really interesting how you mixed in the very serious parts of our history. There's mentions of the Great War and World War II with the much more humorous and almost stereotypical aspects of Canadianism. Yeah, you know, the intention of this book was to include it all. You know, um, I didn't want to be a standard, you know, um, uh, cliche or stereotype book. I wanted it to cover everything. And I wanted it to also... Um, you know, to go back to the word inclusive, be be not just one type of Canadians. You know, there's one cartoon in the book that's, uh, you might be Canadian if you just got here. You know, so I wanted to cover old Canadians, new Canadians, you know, uh, Western Canadians, Eastern Canadians, and uh, everything. One of my favorite uh, cartoons in here, uh, there's a guy wearing a Winnipeg Jets jersey. He's got a beer in his hand. He's wearing shorts and boots. It's snowing outside, and the caption here says, you might be Canadian if the summer season is too short, but barbecue season never ends. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. I, can, I can think of many people who've gone out and just barbecued in November and December because they can. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I have a friend that doesn't barbecue in the winter. You know, I, you know, uh, I don't imagine that's the case for on cold days for Americans or Europeans, but Canadians were resilient and we like our barbecue. Just need to, to point out, uh, Michael, to our listeners that protesters are now blocking eastbound Highway 1, about a mile east of Deacon's Corner. They are on the road with the support of RCMP. Big delays going eastbound. Both lanes backed up as cars are being let through very slowly, one at a time. Now, as I cracked open this book, Michael, uh, the second page... And you, 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 like you don't waste any time in pulling any punches here. There's a cartoon that you've drawn. It's of a, a giant old book, history of North America, and it says it's not your 150th birthday. And there's a tab that says First Nations have been here for well over 10,000 years. So, is it your job as a cartoonist to not just be humorous, but to also pull or refuse to pull those punches? Uh, well, you know what? I put it as a second cartoon because when I'm reading the book, I wanted that off the table or 
on the table, depending on your viewpoint. Um, yeah, I, you know, I am, I am a political cartoonist at heart, and I've been doing political cartooning for 20 years. So I wanted, I wanted this book to uh, tackle those difficult moments. You know, I didn't want it to just be uh, funny, you know, followed by funny. I wanted it to be funny, followed by a more serious tone, followed by funny, funny, then serious again. And uh, in that cartoon also, it, it mentions that for some province, at Confederation in 1867, there were only four provinces, Ontario, Quebec, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. So I also included tabs for Newfoundland, which only joined Confederation in 1949. And, you know, Saskatchewan, Alberta, B.C. also joined after 1867. Uh, you, you know, Michael, we just got a text from one of our listeners here, Eve, and if you're thinking of making like a, a, a version two of this book, this might be a fun one to consider, but Eve Sayer says, you might be Canadian if you can see an entire freight train from the engine to the last car while sitting on your front porch. Oh my God, that's a great one, isn't it? <laughs> Can't you? That is perfect. Yeah, uh, you know what? I, I may write that down. Uh, I'll, I'll look up the tweet and I'll sh- uh, if I do use it, I'll ask permission from them. Michael, when you speak to other people as you travel throughout the country and uh, come up with ideas for your cartoons, how do other people you speak to define what is Canadian? I don't know. I I really think that if you asked a room full of Canadians, if there were 40 people in the room, you get 40 different answers. Um, For an American, if you went to an American and asked, him, what's it like to be American? He would look at you strange and and say, "Don't you know?" I mean, uh, for us Canadians, we just like to ponder the question. I think. I think being Canadian, uh, you constantly define yourself or redefine yourself over and over and over again. And sometimes it has. Sometimes how you define yourself is uh, through hockey. Sometimes it's it's just through. Um, you know, being nice or something. Michael, I, I have to say, you know, um, I feel as if as Canadians, and to our detriment, we've always kind of compared to, instead of celebrating and comparing us to what we are, we've always sort of uh, gone the route of, well, we're not like the United States. Well, we're not like this. And I, I feel as if over the last few years, that's kind of changed. Uh, our, our mentality has kind of changed in the sense that, no, we are celebrating uh, ourselves as a country, as who we are and what we've contributed. And in your book, you, you illustrate that perfectly with the inventions that changed the modern world and the ancient world. And from your perspective, going through this, going through this book and jotting down all these cartoons, do you feel as if there is more of that where we've stopped defining ourselves as what we're not and more so of what we are? You know, I'd agree with you 100%. Uh, um, I think uh, for an older generation, they grew up, I'll give an example, uh, they grew up on the Olympics and watching the Olympics and watching your Canadian athlete come in 17th place, but yet have his own personal best. And we celebrated that, the personal best. And we still do that. But a younger generation now sees the sees the see the Canadian Olympians bring home the hardware. You know, we we're actually a winning a more winning team now. 
so they have a different um, relationship with their country than we do even. And I think that translates into all art forms. I mean, look how many comedians have made it compared to, you know, only 30 years ago. I mean, there's a whole page of them in my book of comedians and musicians that have succeeded. I mean, we're all over the place now. It breeds a, a new confidence, I, I think. Why are Canadians so sorry for everything? <laughs> I, well, you know what? This is the irony. I don't actually think they're that sorry. Um, I, I think we overuse the term sorry. We say sorry instead of excuse me. So if you go up to a door at the same time with another person and you may have clipped them or something, uh, or, or they clip you, you say sorry. But what you really mean is excuse me. I think it's um I think we misused the term. But but with that said, I mean we are we are a sorry nation. Do you think that we were just passive aggressive? Possibly. Possibly. I I, uh, I I'm uh, that 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 could be it. And one final question here, Michael. Uh what is it about the about cartoons like this? And as I just flip through the the page, I'm I'm met with a mix of emotion. I'm smiling, and uh, and I'm having to kind of, as Tristan pointed out, there's the Yoka cartoon that I flip to, and it just brings back a sort of a flood of uh, of troubling memories. What is it about cartoons like this that are so instantly powerful? You know, I've been doing this a very long time, and and I can't quite put my finger on what makes one cartoon better than another. I do know that if you took a column or even a news story out of a newspaper, it has a certain resonance with it. And when you add a powerful photo with that piece, it takes on a, a different light. I think the editorial cartoon has both, both content and visuals. So I think there's something happens um, when a cart- when an editorial cartoon is done just right, or a or a cartoon, but I can't really define it exactly, even though I've dedicated my life to doing it. Michael Deatter is the artist, the cartoonist, the satirist who has put together the book "You Might Be from Canada If." And uh, Michael, do you have a website? I do, Deatter.net, and not only that, I'm easily found on Facebook or Twitter. Just put in my last name and right there. All right, Michael Deatter, thank you so much for joining us live from Halifax. We appreciate it. Happy Canada Day to you, sir. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, take care. Michael Deatter, once again, is the man behind You Might Be from Canada If. Now, once again, if you're just tuning in, if maybe you're getting ready to head out of town, protesters have blocked eastbound Highway 1 about a mile east of Deacon's Corner. They are on the road with the support of RCMP. There are big delays going eastbound. Both lanes backed up as cars are being let through slowly, one at a time. We are going to pause and have a look at your forecast. After we do that, we are going to hear from Global News reporter Zara Premji, who is there and will tell us what about what the protest exactly is and... How angry are the drivers who are caught in this mess? It is McGarry and Field Jones in for Mackling. Forecast next. Brett McGarry, Tristan Field Jones in for Greg Mackling this afternoon. And if you're looking to take advantage of the long weekend, get out of town maybe, there is a situation on eastbound Highway 1 that you need to know about. 
And we have global news reporter Zara Premji is going to join us momentarily here. Jeff Forte is just getting her on the line. Uh, so, Jeff, if you can just put her on hold, and very good. Zara Premji now joins us live on 680 CJOB. Zara, where are you exactly right now? Uh, well, I literally am on the side of a highway. I can't say I've quite stood on the, in the middle of the Manitoba Highway until today, but uh, what I can see right now in front of me is pretty peaceful protesting and a very backed up line of traffic. Um, Highway 1 going east out of the city, people who are trying to leave for the long weekend. Uh, there's a funnel going through. So what RCMP are doing is they've set up cones and each vehicle comes forward, gets a form from the protesters here who explain why they're protesting. Then that vehicle is, is gone. And then the next vehicle comes through. It's quite a slow process here. Uh, you can check out my Twitter for more photos, but it is very slow. But so far, not everyone is that angry. But we did speak to a couple of drivers who said, you know, I have a job to get to. I have places to get to. This is not fun. They're not getting their point across this way. Uh, they're just angering me. But others said, you know, I understand that they feel they have to block the road to get their point across. And I'll listen. So what we've is, got both ends of it. What is the point they're trying to get across? Uh, the point they're trying to get across is twofold. So they said they're doing it on the eve of Canada Day because they do not celebrate Canada Day. They feel they have been oppressed and they feel that they, for 500 years, they've had problems. So why celebrate Canada is what one of the organizers told me right now. Uh, the other main reason they're here today is to bring awareness to the youth suicides on First Nations reserves that are happening uh, in Ontario, across Lake Manitoba, fears of it carrying through over here so that's it's a twofold reason that they're out here protesting today but so far very peaceful protesting but i can imagine those that are backed up all the way beyond where i can even see uh at least two or three kilometers back are not going to be very peaceful when they pull up and zara that's what i was going to ask uh, right there was that that lineup is it is it cars as far as the eye can see uh, beyond. I'm standing close to a ditch so that I can see further. I cannot see past. Um, so they went one kilometer past Deacon's Corner. Um, I can't see past Deacon's Corner at this point. They've gone further. There, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if this line carried all the way into the city at this point. It is long. There are trucks, cars, families trying to get out of here. I heard someone just yelling out of their window right now to say arrest them. So I, it's kind of mixed emotions here right now. Well, Zara, do you know, because I know that RCMP are there to support them and we're getting text messages from people asking, do they have a permit? Why is the RCMP not arresting them? Do you know anything about that stuff? Uh, that is actually my next plan of action to go and chat with the officers. They were too busy at this point setting up the blockade. To my understanding, when we've had protests happen in the city with the Winnipeg police, they've said uh, even if they don't have a protest or a protest permit, rather, they still are allowed to do what they're doing. Um, I still do want to get that answer, though, from our CMP officers. I think more or less when I was listening to their conversation with the organizers, the answer was, well, you're going to do it anyway, so we're at least going to help do it in a peaceful and safe manner. We don't want anyone to get hurt. So they've got about seven or eight RCMP officers spread throughout the line, uh, letting people through, funneling through. Uh, it's a lot of hands on deck, but I don't think that's going to solve the problem here for drivers that are frustrated. Zara, you mentioned that there might be some uh, tempers that are boiling on there. Uh, I just have to ask, have there been any close calls? Have any you know, motorists tried to drive through the protest or kind of spe speed around? Have you seen anything like that yet? 
Not until we got on the phone together right now. I Just as we were chatting, I saw a car coming the opposite direction, pull his vehicle over, saying uh, some words I'm not going to repeat on the air, and saying to arrest them. So that's the first time I've seen it so far. But that's not to say that those that are caught well at the back are not going to attempt something when they come closer. Zara Premji, thank you so much. Zara Premji is a global news reporter. She is reporting live from the scene of a protest eastbound Highway 1 at Deacon's Corner. Eve has sent us a picture at 204-780-6868. And indeed, it is a huge lineup. It goes back forever. Eve, thank you for this. Eve, one of our loyal listeners here at 680 CJOB. You can also see this at... 680CJOB's Facebook page where it is being live streamed from the air, 680 Chopper. I will just quickly say that, listen, I get that awareness is important and one of the, love it or, or hate it, it is a way to bring awareness to a topic, but is it the right way to bring awareness? Because for every person sitting in that line, and I know I shouldn't say for every person, but for many people in that line, if I was in that line, I would be fuming mad right now. I, w- mm-hmm. I would I'd, I would say, you know what? I don't care what it is you're talking about. You're stopping my right to get through because you think that this is the way to go about doing it. I'm not saying their 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 issue is not important. Of course it is important. And you know what? Had they sent a, a press release to Macley and McGarry, we'd have, we would have been happy to invite them onto the show mm-hmm. and Absolutely. talk about it in a productive yeah. way where no one gets angry. All this does is make people angry. Well, and, and to be fair, I mean, Brett McGarry operates on a 90% of rage anyway. I didn't give him room for, so for him to be fuming and exploding is, you know, that that's that's just that extra couple percent on there. So Brett smash! There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to have to corral the beast here. Uh, I think uh, we'll have global news coming up right away here. Brett, what are you doing? Brett, will you stop that, please? Brett, please don't make me angry. Oh, boy. You wouldn't like me. When I'm angry. I'm Brett McGarry. Tristan Field-Jones is in as well for Greg Mackling. And we have a situation this afternoon for those who are thinking of heading east out of the city. Well, there's a problem. Highway 1, Trans-Canada, heading east at Deacon's Corner. There is a blockade that is being supported by the RCMP. Now, they are very slowly letting people through. And we are joined by Julie Buckingham of the News from 4 until 7 on 680 CJOB with Richard Clute. She's stepping in a little bit early to lend us a hand. And Julie, I understand that you have been uh, doing some some research on exactly what is happening here. So what can you tell us so far? I think that's uh, one of the prevailing questions that people have is what is this protest all about? I know there's been a lot of talk about protests leading up to Canada 150. That does not seem to be the overarching theme here. There are two issues that the protesters say they are trying to bring to light. One is the issue of youth suicide on First Nations. So let's talk a little bit about that for one second. Um, Suicide, according to statistics, is the second leading cause of death for young Canadians between the ages of 10 and 24. Now, suicide rates are five to seven times higher than that for First Nations youth overall than for non-Aboriginal youth. We've certainly run many stories here on 680 CJOB about the difficulty on First Nations um, 
you know, if one young person dies by suicide, there are often many more that will follow suit. We've heard about different organizations and groups going into these First Nations to try and provide support, to ask the youth what it is that they need to keep them um, engaged in their community and feel like they can be open and thrive and to hopefully stem the tide. But we know that this has been an issue. This has been an issue, and I've covered this story uh, pretty much since my career began. I spent a lot of my career in Thunder Bay, and we'll talk about that community because that community is also being highlighted at this protest. But I've been covering this story for almost 25 years about suicides on First Nations. And so that is one of the overarching themes that this group is is likely talking to drivers about as they pull up to this blockade. Now, Tristan, before you ask your question, I just want to make sure to mention again that you can watch this live stream at our 680 CJOB Facebook page as well as at cjob.com and globalnews.ca. The Air 680 chopper is in the air and hovering over top of this protest. Now, Julie, the number one question that comes to my mind, and I think that comes to a lot of people's minds, what's being done about this? I mean, we're seeing the awareness being raised, but in terms of programs or government funding or whatever it may be, because this is certainly not a new story. It, it is not a new story, and there's been a number of different approaches taken over time and different programs. I had someone on the air not that long ago that was taking a, a program to the different First Nations, just trying to engage the youth and, and asking. I think I think what has to be done is really connecting with the group that is being affected the most. It's great when a bunch of elders, for example, or a bunch of politicians, for example, or a bunch of adults get together in a room and say, this is what we should do and this will solve the problem. That clearly isn't working. And I think the key here is to get the youth themselves talking and asking and actually listening and putting the dollars into what the youth say will help them in their situation. Is it um, an awareness program? There's there's some pretty cool ones out there now. There was just some research done in Alberta of how they were able to put a program through a school and it drastically reduced the suicide rates in Alberta. So are we moving those programs in there? Is it providing them more recreational spaces? Does it come down to, to more simple things like, you know, a highway in and out of your community clean, safe water, better housing. What are the youth saying that they need? Maybe it's better sports programs. Maybe it's better um, addiction services. It's likely all of those things brought together under an umbrella. But I think until they get um, the youth actively involved in that discussion, we're probably going to see this continue. Uh, One of the other things that they're talking uh, about is this issue in Thunder Bay and it's, it's made national headlines. And again, as I said, I spent a lot of my career there and mm-hmm. uh, they did set up a school in Thunder Bay designed for the youth coming down from the first nations, ho- hoping that that would make them feel more um, like they had the, the services that they needed more of their peers instead of trying to integrate them into local schools. But um, things have been very difficult in that community. Think of Thunder Bay almost as even a a small Winnipeg. Um, They have a lot of Northern First Nations communities and those youth get sent to a larger center like a Winnipeg or a Thunder Bay to continue their education. Unfortunately, they are saying since 2000, 
and I was there in 2000, uh, they've had 10 indigenous people that have been found dead. Most of them have been teenagers. Seven of them have been found in the waterways there. And it's really unclear what's happening here. If, if there are victims of violence, if this is suicide, because a lot of these, uh, one case I remember very clearly was a, a young man who had left a house party and I was in an OPP helicopter and it was it was pretty surreal to be flying over one of the rivers in Thunder Bay and see his footprints in the snow on the frozen ice and then and then disappear. His body was found, Ooh. I believe, in a rail car. And whether that was ever solved, whether it was a, a situation he had been he had been assaulted, but whether he would have died of that assault or or if he became disoriented and ultimately died of, of hypothermia. They've had m- multiple deaths and First Nations leaders, uh, particularly of the Anishinaabe Aski Nation, are stepping forward and saying, listen, we need to do something. Um, so Ontario's chief coroner has asked an outside police force to help Thunder Bay police investigate more recently the deaths of two Indigenous teens. Um, York Regional Police have been tasked to do this. They're nowhere near Thunder Bay. And uh, they had a 14-year-old boy and a 17-year-old girl die, one in May, and I believe uh, one maybe in early June, was in within two weeks of one another. Thunder Bay police heavily criticized by Indigenous leaders as saying they're not doing enough to investigate these things. So they are saying they're welcoming this probe. At the end of May, Indigenous leaders went to Queen's Park and called for an RCMP investigation. And Nan's Grand Chief Alvin Fiddler says they are welcoming the fresh eyes on the circumstances of these deaths. And so those are the two things that protesters say they want to raise with drivers. And one is the issue of youth suicide and Northern First Nations. The other are the circumstances, whatever they may be, with these deaths in Thunder Bay and whether or not police are doing a credible job in investigating these deaths. We just have an update on this protest. It looks like traffic is being rerouted down Highway 207 to DeMeyer Road, which is the first gravel road. So traffic on that gravel road, very backed up as people are trying to get back onto Highway 1. Once again, you can watch this live stream at the 680 CJOB Facebook page. The Air 680 Chopper is in the air. Now, Julie, you, I mean, you're a veteran broadcaster. You're great at what you do and you've done all sorts of things one of those was traffic absolutely so can you offer some insight as to what may be going on as far as the the, you know i don't want to i don't claim to speak for anybody especially a long line of of cars so what do you think's going through their heads right now oh no doubt this is uh and and we're seeing some of those comments come through on our our text messaging system saying it would be better if if these protesters, if these leaders were talking on the radio instead of blocking cars and talking to drivers, they'd make their point better and they wouldn't have as many people frustrated. Um, you know, I feel for both sides here. There's definitely some frustration absolutely amongst the uh, Indigenous community to, to see the level of of youth that is just... Uh, it, the The number of victims that we have here 
is astronomical and and they are fed up and I understand that as, as to me it feels like lather rinse repeat it's the same story unfortunately and when we haven't found the answer so I understand that but at the same time I understand the frustration of the drivers saying how are they being allowed to do this they're tying up my time they're not really they're just making me mad they're not making me you know, win their support. So drivers, um, we know that they get frustrated when it's just being stopped for the weather. We know those drivers are just frustrated when it's a stalled car in one lane that sends you back 40, you know, 40 minutes. Now, when this is something that is completely avoidable, I understand that there will be um, these these protesters will likely be met with a lot of anger. And I, I think that's why we're seeing the heavy police presence, the RCMP front and center. Um, the last time I looked at the live stream, there were at least eight, uh, between six and eight RCMP cruisers, and there may be more now. They're certainly very close to the situation because obviously they understand, you know, people are trying to get set for their long weekend, but at the same time, Uh, frustrations could be hitting a boiling point. So I don't think that you're going to see the RCMP stray too far from the protesters just to make sure that everyone remains with a cool head. And at this point, I think the best advice to drivers would be let them say their piece, take any literature that they're going to give you, and they'll let you through. Uh, I think if you engage in an argument, you're likely going to be held up a little bit longer. Yeah, you're right. Just just get through, just push through. And uh, I, I'm actually, as Julie has explained all this, I sort of feel a, a mixed reaction to what I was talking about earlier, how I said, I don't think this is the way to go about it. But it's, you can't deny the results. We're sitting here talking about it. We, we had programming planned that we've since you know eviscerated uh, to make room for this. And it is important. And I think to discuss the fact that the protest is happening, A, for simply from a traffic perspective for anybody thinking of getting out of Dodge on Eastbound Highway 1. But B, it is uh, bringing... Regardless of whether or not I agree with the method, it is an important conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, a quick Google search, you will turn up the articles, obviously, from Thunder Bay, from... And and it would be interesting to just go back and see how long we've been talking about the issue of youth suicide on First Nations. And I suspect it will long surpass even 25 years. Zara Premji is going to join us after your forecast, she is on scene with a protester. The live stream, by the way, has ended at uh, the 680 CJOB Facebook page. The chopper's got to refuel. <laughs> I was wondering, just wondering, how much fuel does that thing have? It's yeah, been exactly. there for two hours. So we'll continue this chat after your forecast up next. I'm Brett McGarry. He is Tristan Field-Jones. Protesters are blocking eastbound Highway 1, about a mile east of Deacon's Corner. That's Highway 207. They are on the road with the support of RCMP. Huge delays going eastbound. Both lanes backed up as cars are being let through very slowly, one at a time, and they are rerouting traffic south on Highway 207. And there's a gra- uh, gravel road there as well, uh, down 207 to DeMeyer Road, the first gravel road, so traffic is backed up there as well. Global News reporter Zara Premji is at the scene live, and I understand, Zara, you have a protester with you by the name of Jennifer Spence-Clark. Yes, Jennifer Spence-Clark is here with me right now from United Warriors Alliance. Urban, Urban sorry, Urban Warriors Alliance. And uh, she's going to speak with you and explain a bit as to why they're here today and why a block on the road, why specifically a block. So, Jennifer, uh, welcome on here. Hi there. So, Jen... 
So, Jennifer, why are you blocking the road? So, we're here as a collective with uh, AIM Manitoba and um, Loud Trust. Uh, Jennifer? We're with AIM Manitoba and a collective of community activists who are... Um, we want to highlight an issue that pertains to the, the Canada 100... Uh, ideology and the resistance uh, and that's the youth suicide crisis that's happening in our first nation communities especially up in the northern communities and we've known about this for a really long time uh, and i know that you know in 2016 there was a lot of support promised and it's been really slow getting to the young people and we now have an issue you know in a place like cross lake manitoba where 100 over 100 children are on suicide right now Zara, I don't know if you can hear us, but where you can barely hear Jennifer Spence Clark. Uh, Jennifer Spence Clark is a protester who is with the Urban Warrior Alliance. It sounds like it's quite windy out there. Jennifer. Yeah, it's quite windy. I'm going to bring the phone a little bit closer to Jennifer right now, and uh, we'll try that again. So Jennifer's going to explain to you as to why they're here today. Can you hear me now? Yes, loud and clear. Okay, so we're here again. It's to highlight the suicide crisis in our First Nation communities. As I had said earlier, we have a community like Cross Lake where there's over 100 children on suicide watch alone. That community has over 6,000 people that were members. Uh, six children in a three-month period died by suicide, and 140 children threatened or attempted to take their own lives. We, we need the government to honor these treaties that were signed with, with our ancestors how many years ago? You know, 180 years ago. We need... We need we need support up in these communities, and that's why we're here. We're trying to educate the drivers as they go through. And the thing that I want to highlight about this is that it's an inconvenience. It's a terrible inconvenience to be stuck on the highway or on any road and not be able to get through and be barriered and in and blocked in. And that's kind of how we feel as First Nations people in our own homeland. We're, we're stuck. We're stuck in a situation we can't get out of. And it's because there are barriers in place that are, are leaving us stuck here. So for, you know, 30 seconds, you're inconvenienced. But I want you to think about, you know, all these children that die this way. They're, they're dying from a lack of hope. And I'd like, you know, for someone to bring them some hope, I'd like to go bring them some hope. And that's why I'm standing here. Jennifer, what's the reaction you've received from drivers so far? People are taking the literature that we're giving them, rolling down their windows, getting the paper and driving on their way. And there's only been a handful of times where, you know, that there was little reception or, you know, negative reception. Most of the people that come through here understand that they're just stopping for a few moments and then they're on their way. And Jennifer, why, you know, I, I get that having a protest like this brings attention to it, but why do you have to bring attention to it by inconveniencing hundreds, if not thousands of people? It's kind of like what I said earlier. Um, you know, when you feel really trapped and, and powerless, it, it leads you to want to find a solution to talk to somebody and figure out what you can do to get out of this. Sometimes it's as simple as taking that piece of paper and educating yourself. And that's what, you know, we've had to do as people who are struggling and we're powerless a lot of the time to stop these situations from happening. Well, Jennifer... We're trying to send in a peaceful way. 
Well, and you know what, Jennifer? I would invite you to send me an email, brett at cjob.com. We would be happy to have the Urban Warrior Alliance on Mackling and McGarry in a way that is not blocking uh, the road. We'd be happy to have you in our studio and have a chat and bring light to this issue. All right. Jennifer Spence-Clark and Zara Premji with Global News, thank you so much. Jennifer Spence-Clark is one of the protesters with the Urban Warrior Alliance uh, at the scene of a protest on Highway 1 east of the city at uh, Deacon's Corner. Backed up forever. So if you're trying to get out to Falcon Lake, West Hawk, Kenora, oh boy, you're going to have some problems. Traffic is being rerouted down 207 to DeMeyer Road. That's the first gravel road. And traffic on that gravel road is backed up as well as people try to get back on the Highway 1. So it's a mess. We're going to continue to cover this. After Global News, we'll hear from Matt Cardi, who was able to speak with Jessica Hamm up in the Air 680 chopper before they had to take off and uh, come back for fuel. So we'll get to that after Global News at 2.30 with my young friend here, Tristan Field-Jones on 680 CJOB. Brett McGarry with Tristan Field-Jones in for Greg Mackling today. It's Friday. Whoop. My microphone almost just fell apart. Oh, my word, Brett. Almost had a radio disaster here. Oh, what? what? Okay. You know, it's funny, as you mentioned that, my headphones aren't working properly, so, oh boy. Yeah, it's just great. Here, just to take you behind the curtain, as we like to do here, our microphones are held together by a series of elastic bands. By prayer and duct tape. And over the years, these elastic bands have stretched... I don't know why, but uh, we may need our engineers at some point to come do some emergency surgery because these elastic bands are on their last legs. And as, can I, oh, yeah, there it goes. All right. So I'll just set it up in a way where it sits. Hey, it's Friday. We can still goof around, but there is something serious, something <laughs> that is happening east of Winnipeg. This is on Highway 1 at Deacon's Corner. So what is that? Highway 1 and 207? Roughly, yes, I believe, sir. We had a live stream up earlier at cjob.com, at globalnews.ca, on the 680 CJOB Facebook page. We were showing this protest, and traffic is backed up forever. Because the protest was supposed to start at noon, didn't really get going until after 1, where they finally went into the road and started blocking traffic. And you know what, Brett, just a quick note here. I'm looking on our Google traffic view here, and um, there is a solid dark red line on the eastbound uh, Trans-Canada Highway. Um, and again, it's about, uh, it's just eyeballing this here, it's several kilometers almost all the way to the perimeter interchange there. So, yeah, to say it's backed up forever would not uh, necessarily be an, an exaggeration in this case. Highway 207 southbound at Deacon's Corner is also very slow. Not quite as bad as the Trans-Canada, but Highway 207 southbound there is also uh, not doing too well. So, really, if you're anywhere in that vicinity, either headed southbound on 207 or eastbound on the Trans-Canada, be prepared to wait. I'm just looking at, so what's with the, the, the red line that is east of Deacon's Corner? What do you think is going on oh, there? So what I think is, because remember, they set up the protest, I believe they set up the protest just east of that intersection. And what happens is, so that's, and I think they said it was about a mile or so. And when you look at kind of the grid system in, uh, on here, that makes sense as to where the protests are. Okay. And again, that's what's backing it up all the way to basically the perimeter. Now, we heard from Jennifer Spence-Clark, who is with the Urban Warrior Alliance. She is speaking, was speaking with Global News reporter Zara Premji, who is live at the scene. And they are trying to bring some attention to the fact that there are youth suicides on First Nations, a lot of them. I believe Julie Buckingham said youth suicide on First Nations is the second leading cause of death. There is no doubt 
This is a serious issue. We have talked about this issue on this radio station many times. We asked Jennifer Spence Clark, why do it this way? Why choose to bring awareness to this story this way by creating such a major inconvenience? Jennifer Spence Clark said, this is kind of how we feel. We feel inconvenienced, to say the least. We feel trapped. We want to know what you think at 204-780-6868. You can call us, you can text us, and I, pardon me, Dan, I didn't even realize you were sitting there. Dan is at 204-780-6868. We invite you to call us and text us. We'll say hello to Dan, who joins us live on 680 CJOB. Hey, Dan, what do you think? Hey, guys, I'm part of that red line on your Google map right now, so I've got the perspective of someone on the ops or in the line. Uh, don't ask me where I am because it's just uh, I can't really tell you. I'm lots of cars. I, my, my, my point is this, and, and I've had these types of conversations lots. I'm very sensitive to this, to this particular plight. Uh, I understand it's a major issue, much like yourselves. The thing I don't get is when you try to boil it all down to what are you trying to accomplish. So I, you want us to feel the pain of being trapped and, and feel empathetic to your cause. And, and then what? I liken this to people who, who post or, or, or do stuff on Facebook and think they're making a difference. This, when I think back to this in a few weeks from now, it'll just be anger. That's all I'll remember. I'm not going to pick up the phone and call the premier or call the federal government and say you need to do anything. I'm not on your side. You're not making friends. So I get the cause. I understand the pain. But you're accomplishing nothing, and that's the problem. Now, Dan, would you say, because we had a few people with a similar sentiment to what you're expressing here, would you say that it would be more helpful for someone like yourself if they came on a radio station like ours, for instance, and shared their stories that way? Would that get you more uh, empathetic towards their cause? Yeah, 100% it would. Uh, and I know what they're going to say. They're going to say that, you know, that's just like everybody other cause. How, how often can you remember what you heard on the radio every given day? But if you want to, if you want to cause, um, you, you want to make you want to make people remember you. You also want to get people to 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 feel sympathetic for you and want to help. So I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a protest expert, but this doesn't do it. And, and the other side thing to this is, I understand some of these protests have to do with Canada Day. First Nations, you know, they don't feel they can celebrate Canada Day because they're it's not good memories for them. But this and I'm sorry, this might be selfish. This is it, this is a big deal for me. It is a, it is a big deal for Canada Day. For many people, so just because it, it, it's it's a negative thing for you, it's not for us. So I just don't understand why we're being forced into their pain. It doesn't solve anything. I'm not I'm not willing to help. Like I I I might be, but this is not this is not the way. Dan, thank you so much for putting it. You, you've expressed your anger in a I think a productive way that, and I'm pretty sure you speak for a lot of folks. So we appreciate the feedback. Yeah. As you sit in this line, how long have you been waiting? By the way. I'm fresh. I should have listened to you guys sooner. Maybe that's a lesson for the future. I've only been in here about an hour. Um, and it does seem to be moving, uh, but, you know, luckily it's just me. My family's already out the cabin. So, I mean, I'll, I'll listen to them. I'll understand, but I do want to make it clear. I'm not, I'm not going to be angry, but, again, it, it's a matter of trying to find out something that's going to help. This isn't going to help. There's not one person in this line that's going to say, you know what, that feeling of being trapped, that was palpable. I, I definitely want to help you guys. I'm going to stand up and do something. It's just, it doesn't work that way. Dan, thank you so much for the call at 204-780-6868. We wish you a happy long weekend once you your long weekend is officially underway. 
Teresa is up next to 204-780-6868. Hey, Teresa, what do you think about all this? I think it's great. I'm in full support of the protesters and uh, long overdue. And uh, I think uh, when we have a prime minister who addresses the nation by saying that, uh, you know, my friends, uh, very sorry all this pain happened to your people, but it's going to take generations to fix what we uh, took generations to build. Um, He's being very ignorant of the uh, level of education and the capacity building that we have in our communities today. We uh, here in Kenora, we had a 55 percent graduate rate at our local high school, our uh, uh, Beaver Bray High School. There was 55 percent Aboriginal graduates. I think our prime minister is totally out of the loop. And I think it's about time that uh, we shook him up and said, hey, listen to us. These are his constituents. And very sorry for the inconvenience, but we've been inconvenienced for over 2,000 years. When we talk about human trafficking, when you look at the Anishinaabe people on this, on this Turtle Island, this North America, this continent, we have been the most trafficked people on this, on this whole continent. We're always being told what to do, where to go, how to go, and what we can and cannot do, what we can and cannot say. I'm so grateful to have the freedom to talk to you on my cell phone, and I'm so grateful that I get CGOB here in Kenora. Well, but I'm very <laughs> sorry it's being inconvenienced, but you got to reflect on it. This is your leadership that's making us take these actions. And why are we taking these actions? So that 10-year-old children don't feel the despair and the isolation and the lack of hope that they don't hang themselves in their bedrooms. I have a seven-year-old son, and the very idea that in three years' time, he's going to have that thought in his head because he doesn't have any hope disturbs me. Teresa, I'm going to ask you a question that might maybe will be seen as controversial. I don't know, uh, but I know that some people are, are likely thinking it. If it was a group of white people who were protesting whatever, blocking the road do you think they'd be arrested nope you think they'd be allowed to to protest peacefully they'd be told to make an easement of traffic and maybe at some point they will but for now i think it's fine that everything's gridlocked and shut down think of the people in show lake 40 think of them a hundred years of isolation there yeah and, and that is, and, and on a side note, that is an absolute disgrace. There's no question about that. The fact that successive federal governments haven't been able to find pocket change nope. in a federal budget to help you're these people. People, people yeah. that are listening to this broadcast, you're trapped in your car, you got nowhere to pee, you got no fresh drinking water. That's been the reality for our cousins in Show Lake for over 100 years. Well, Winnipeg, you guys can flush your toilets and you can drink your water. Like that's uh, drink Show Lakes water. I understand now that there's some issues with the water. That's karma. Hey Teresa, and, this, Teresa, I, you mentioned. So happy. Listen, happy Teresa, Canada you mentioned Day. that. Yeah, well, you mentioned that uh, you're grateful that uh, you can get 680 CJOB in Kenora. We're grateful that you listen to our radio station, and we thank you for offering your feedback. Okay. All right. Well, you have a happy Canada Day, and all you guys that are stuck in your vehicles, just think of Show Lake. That's just the tip of the iceberg. That's 100 years. You know, let's go back. It's been almost 25,000 years. All right.
right. Teresa, thank you for your feedback. We appreciate it. Oh, I don't know what I did there. I did something wrong with the computer. We got to pause. We have Kathy on the line. We have Andrew on the line. No, by the way, normally this is when we talk to Dr. Cyrus Dirksen. I, I forgot to mention that. Mm-hmm. 2.30 Friday, we always talk to Dr. Cyrus Dirksen. He's a clinical psychologist. His website is drcyrus.com. And maybe what we'll do is we'll talk to him at 3 o'clock. So Jeff Forte and Master Control, I don't know if you want to give him a shout and see if he's kicking around for 3 o'clock. Because in the meantime, we've got Kathy on the line. We've got Andrew on the line. You know what? Let's let's get to Kathy and Andrew before we pause for your forecast. Kathy is at 204-780-6868. Hi, Kathy. What do you think? Well, I must admit this situation really saddens me because I thought the Aboriginal folks were getting progress with making people aware of the tragic situations on the reserves, making progress, building relationships. But these kinds of situations where they're pulling other people's rights away from them by stopping traffic is not the way to build this and to build awareness. It's building anger and resentment, and we don't want that towards our Aboriginal friends. All right, Kathy, thank you for waiting patiently to make that point. It's a very well-put point, and I think your, your sentiments are shared by many. Andrew is up next, and then we will pause for your forecast. Hey, Andrew, what do you think about what's going on here? Well, I just want to point out that I'm a, uh, a Caucasian male. I live in Winnipeg, and I fully support the protest. I have the belief that uh, as Canadians, as North Americans, we actually do not protest enough. If you take a look at Europeans and South Americans and other um, other peoples around the world, protesting is a, a, is a way to bring to light something that needs to be brought forward. I don't know enough about what's happening up north. This shouldn't anger me, even if I'm in my car and I'm on the way to the cottage or whatever I'm doing. What it should do is it should make me research why these people are protesting. So for people who are upset about it, I get it. It's an inconvenience. It would be an inconvenience for me if I was on the highway heading to the cottage as well. But rather than just get upset about, you know, being inconvenienced, what we should do is we should research why people are protesting because I'm sure they have better things to do than to shut down a highway as well. If the Winnipeg Jets win the Stanley Cup, we're going to shut down Portage and Maine, and we're going to be okay with it. When there is a marathon to be run to bring awareness to cancer or whatever else, we're okay with it. Why do we get so upset when people bring human rights to the forefront with a protest? Andrew, Tristan has a question for you. And before I let uh, Tristan bark er, get in here, if the Jets win the Stanley Cup, it's likely 10 o'clock at night. So there isn't a whole lot of traffic. It's not like they'd be shutting down rush hour or blocking the get-out-of-town traffic trying to get out to the cottage to enjoy a long weekend. Like Those are two completely different things. Well, I'll rebut that by saying that the Win- when the Winnipeg Jets got, uh, you know, when it was announced they were coming back to Winnipeg, Portage and Maine got shut down in the middle of the day, and it was on a Monday or a Tuesday. Okay, so, so was that... Uh, but that was... I'm, I'm, you can, you can correct me if I'm we, wrong. We Andrew... Andrew? You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that was something that was announced well ahead of time. Just like this was, I mean, this was announced as well, but I, I, I'm i not sure that uh, they're the same thing. But Tristan, what's your question? Well, and Andrew, I just have to ask, because you're saying that by holding people up in this line, this will get people aware of the situation, this will encourage people to research the crisis that's going on on our First Nations community. But we've heard from a lot of drivers who are saying they don't care about this. They're just angry because they're in this lineup. And this, the only thing that they're going to remember is the anger and the frustration. 
So, Andrew, I just have to ask, what do you have to say to those drivers who are, they don't care about the issue, they're just angry and frustrated? Well, I would simply say that, you know, they're just being close-minded about what happens in other people's backyards. What people should be doing, they should be saying, what, why is this happening? Again, I don't, I don't necessarily like it either. I wish that it didn't happen because it inconveniences a lot of people. Plus, you know, obviously there's a, a major issue at hand as to why these people are protesting. But rather than people be closed-minded and, and be upset about the inconvenience, what we should really do is try and figure out why this is happening. And that's why the protest happens. It's why it happens in Greece and Italy and Brazil, all over the world. Somehow when it's here, you know, all we're worried about is getting from point A to point B, and, and now all of a sudden, you know, there's, there's anger involved. Andrew, we're going to let you go. We, we do thank you for the feedback. For the record, I would point out, uh, regardless of what the protest was or whatever the celebration was, whether it's a protest or Winnipeg Jets, whatever, uh, I'd be mad if I got stuck in that traffic. So I just wanted to make that clear. If I got stuck at Portage and Maine because people were partying for the Jets, I'd be mad too. Andrew, we do appreciate the feedback. We have packed phone lines, and we also have, I believe, Dr. Cyrus on the line. We're going to ask him a couple of questions to see if he has any insight to offer about this whole situation. Uh, we do need to have a quick look at your forecast, though. That's coming up next. Mackling and McGarry, but I am not Greg Mackling. I am Tristan Field-Jones. I've been filling in for Greg Mackling all day today, although I believe, uh, Brad, it's back to regularly scheduled programming next week. As of Tuesday, correct? Uh, outstanding. Well, uh, we got a couple minutes here. We have Dr. Cyrus, clinical psychologist with uh, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen website, drcyrus.com. And uh, we've been talking about this protest that's uh, just past Deacon's Corner, eastbound Trans-Canada Highway. Uh, it's traffic mayhem. It's uh, There's a lot of angry drivers there. We've had some really great conversation with our listeners here. But Dr. Cyrus, they're trying to bring aware, just First Nations protesters trying to uh, bring light to and bring awareness to the suicide crisis that's gripping a lot of these communities amongst their youth. We want to know from you as a clinical psychologist, do these types of protests work? Well, I think that protests, um, you know, first of all, I want to say that, I, you know, I do have a lot of sympathy for this cause. And, um, but the, the research suggests that, you know, the more extreme the protest, the less people can identify with the people who are doing the protesting. And generally speaking, that's what you want as a protester. You want people to be able to identify with you and say, boy, if I was in your position, I would be really upset. Um, but what they have trouble with is identifying with people who are doing something that they wouldn't do themselves. So if you have protesters who are, you know, in an extreme case being violent, they're like, well, I wouldn't be violent. So I don't really identify with these people. Or if they would say, you know, I wouldn't block traffic in this case. I don't really identify with these people. So it can actually become a situation uh, where research has suggested that people actually sometimes go even farther against um, sometimes good causes or causes that they would generally support, uh, you know, because they can't identify with what the protesters are doing because they're breaking the social order or because they're, they just, it's not something that they would do. They can't join in with the cause. Dr. Cyrus, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there when we really only did have a couple of minutes. But hey, we sure. thank you for, because uh, we were going to talk about something completely different. Dr. Cyrus did some quick research and was able to dig that up. So we appreciate that very much, sir. We'll see you on the patio next week. <laughs> Sounds great. Okay, we'll see you then. All right, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen is a clinical psychologist. His website is drcyrus.com. Once again, protest on Eastbound Highway 1. 
at Deacon's Corner is backing up traffic for a long way if you're trying to get out to cottage country. And speaking of cottage country, we have a forecast for you coming up in 30 seconds. I'm Brett McGarry, Tristan Field-Jones sitting in for Greg Mackling this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us today on 680 CJOB. We have been talking about a protest, an Indigenous protest that is happening east of Winnipeg at Deacon's Corner at Highway 207, trying to bring light to awareness, to youth suicides, on First Nations in hopes of the Canadian government increasing its mental health services funding. We've taken calls from people who are on both sides of the coin as far as support is concerned. And on the line right now, we have MKO Chief, Grand Chief Sheila North-Wilson. We thank you so much for joining us today on 680 CJOB. My first question to you, uh, Chief North-Wilson, is do you think protests like this are effective in getting the message out? Well, I think the fact that we're talking about it right now proves that they are effective. And I think that uh, when we see them um, conducted in the in the most respectful way that it is that we're seeing it right now, it's even more effective. Now, the reason, uh, I, I guess, I, what do you think of this? Because we had our uh, uh, clinical psychologist, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, and he, he's on with us every Friday. And uh, we had him actually to look into it. And he says, research says that... Uh, the that protests that are sort of more extreme uh so we're not saying that this is extreme but he says research says the more extreme the protesting the less people identify so what mm-hmm. would your uh so i'm not making a comment on this but i'm just wondering what you think of what he said yeah i could agree with that i suppose but um people are frustrated and and what we're seeing when those kind of events happen is the level of frustration raising to a point where it's almost the last resort because I know a lot of people make efforts to try and resolve issues before they get to that boiling point. But we can't really blame people for uh, feeling extremely frustrated if they don't get to um, to see the problems that they're trying to raise being addressed in the way that uh, is meaningful. Uh, Sheila, we just got a really interesting text from one of our listeners here uh, asking, and I'll pass this along to you. They want to know if you think awareness equals action. Um, Yeah, I think so. I think that every form of action and every time we raise our voice to try and make things, you know, right for people that uh, that need a lot of support and advocacy, I think then we're doing something to try and 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 help where we can and when we can because not everyone has the same resources to to uh, go at um, attacking problems and trying to solve problems. So they use what they have, and sometimes all people have is their voice and and their ability to to, to move and be a part of a bigger movement. So it is it is effective and and useful and and very necessary. But I think what we're getting away from in this in in, in the talking about the protest is that uh, the real issue is that they're trying to raise awareness about mental health and the stability in, in our communities and the problems of suicide. And I think that's where sometimes the messages get lost because everyone's so annoyed about a protest. Well, really, the, the issue that they're trying to raise is about suicides on First Nations. Just need to point this out. Uh, we, this is just breaking from Twitter. This peaceful protest now over on Highway 1 at uh, Highway 207, all lanes open, traffic returning to normal. Tristan, you had a question. I, I did, and I have to ask, you mentioned about raising awareness. Uh, what, I mean, what is one of the biggest um, 
um, how do I phrase this here? Not so much, um, I guess, black holes, if you will, of knowledge when it comes to this. We we tend to think that you know we've heard about the suicide crisis on these First Nations community. We've heard how it devastates families, how it devastates young people, and we talk about children as young as ten and even younger than that who take their own lives. But what are what isn't being done enough? What do we need to do to raise more awareness of things that maybe some people don't know about when it comes to this? The ultimate um, reason why we're seeing the symptoms of suicides is because the community itself and adults in the community and in the community, um, the society as a whole in First Nations is that there is a lack of resources to simply do all the fundamental things that we all enjoy here every day in urban areas, being able to access good quality food, being able to access quality education and and even like the leisure activities all those things are not afforded to people on first nations so the the resources that should be there are not there and we're not talking about people's tax dollars we're talking about resources that rightfully belong to indigenous people as the first people of this country and that hasn't has been denied because treaties have not been lived up to and I'm I'm trying to say it as simple as I can, but it's because th- there is a lack of resources afforded to our First Nations. And I know people will roll their eyes and say it's all about money, but it's not. It's it's about the proper respect and giving what our families need in our communities. And that's ultimately what it is. People are are feeling sad, feeling depressed, feeling suicidal because they simply don't feel. Um, valued and 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 a part of the rest of the world because they're so abject to poverty and and when you live in poverty you, you you're in a different state of mind and 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 unfortunately passes on to the rest of the house and then even to the next generation we uh, are talking about this protest that is was happening on Highway 1 east of Winnipeg. Once again, this protest is now over at Deacon's Corner. All lanes open to traffic, uh, which should be returning to normal soon. And MKO Grand Chief Sheila North Wilson, we have had some feedback where people were in all-in support, uh, expressing their support to the protest. But of course, we also had people who were angry and saying, you know what, this doesn't do anything to bring me to supporting your cause. In fact, it makes it pushes me away even further. So, mm-hmm. and that we always hear that kind of feedback whenever there are protests like this. So, what is mm-hmm. your reaction to that kind of feedback? I think the um, amount of inconvenience that we feel briefly and momentarily, and and I mean extremely, maybe on the extreme cases, a couple of hours is minimal compared to the extreme um, inconvenience that is caused on First Nations by the simple lack of respect and, and uh, access to resources that, that rightfully belongs to them is denied them. And, and that affects everything, all all um, social determinants of health, including housing and poverty and access to good quality food and, and water. All of that is affected. And we live that every day in our First Nations. This is not, you know, it doesn't happen intermittently here and there. The, the the spirit and in the issue of suicide never really goes away. It, there's always a lull in our communities, and it's because of the hopelessness that exists there. 
Um, but, you know, we're all doing our best and our, our part where we can, as leaders and also community leaders, to try and address them. But we need to be able to, um, you know, find a way to, to engage our young people to feel like they have opportunities in education and in jobs and even access to learning their language if they've lost it and, and you know, learning all the basics of, of what makes them who they are. Because they've been made ashamed for generations before of who they are. And, and to bring that back either through cultural training, through the land and hunting and fishing, those kind of things, it bring back cultural pride. And, and it's a big complex issue. It's not just a simply a saying we're inconveniencing a lot of people. But, you know, I think it's moments of time that we should all take time to try and educate ourselves on where we can fit and how we can bring solutions to life. All right, MKO Grand Chief Sheila North Wilson, thank you so much for making yourself available to answer some of our questions here on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much. All right, have a good weekend. Sheila North Wilson, the Grand Chief of MKO. Once again, the protest is over on Highway 1, heading east out of the city at Deacon's Corner. All lanes are open. We will have a look at traffic with Brent Harder coming up next. A mix of sun and cloud for today. We're still trying to reach that high of 21. For tonight, increasing clouds overnight, a low of 11. Tomorrow for Canada Day, mainly cloudy. Showers likely in the morning with a risk of a thunderstorm, a high of 22. And for Sunday, sunny and a high of 24. It's 19 degrees right now at 680 CJOB. You having a hard time making it through the weather? No, not at all, Brett. I don't know why I'd have a hard time, especially after you say something funny off air. Weather is for Club Region Event Center presenting Theory of a Dead Man July 7th. Tickets available through Ticketmaster. Visit casinosofwinnipeg.com for details. Hey, it is it is Friday after all. We can still goof around a little bit. It's Mackling and McGarry. Tristan Field-Jones in for the Mackling half of that. And Premji is on the line. Zara Premji, Global News reporter, has been filling, giving us the details from the scene of a protest on eastbound Highway 1, which has ended. Zara, what can you tell us? Uh, pretty much what you just said. It's ended. So we were just heading out. We decided to loop back and see how long it would take from the very end of traffic all the way to here. Uh, 20 minutes back up, even though the protest is cleared up. So it took us 20 minutes to get to where the protest was happening. That's cleared up. RCMP officers, I'm looking out right now, they have started to make their way off the scene. I think they're just hanging out to make sure everyone's flowing through, but I don't think their flashing lights are really helping. A lot of people are actually just slowing down to see the lights are flashing. But at this point, yes, you've got that right. This protest has ended. Whether they move somewhere else or not, I'm not too sure, but it does look like traffic is flowing from Beacon's Corner. Yeah, because it caught me off guard when I saw this urgent uh, flash that the protest was over. I thought that this was going to be a situation that would take us right through the, uh, the afternoon rush hour. I'd say the traffic is still going to be an issue. So I'm at 3.30 almost right now, and people are getting off work. They're trying to head to their cabin. So I'd say tack on 20, 30, even 40 extra minutes, or as we heard from the chopper, there are other options. But right now, I'm looking at the traffic. I've just tweeted out a photo of it. It is still quite backed up. So the protest may be over, but the the backlog on the road is not yet. All right. Sorry, Premji. Oh, do you have a question, Tristan? Or are you just... No, she answered all my questions. Okay. So thank you very much, Sour. Oh, you can he... ask more questions. I don't mind. No, I thought he was pointing to himself that he was going to ask a question, but he was just scratching his chin. So we're uh, just going to let you go, Zara. 
scratch away. Bye, guys. <laughs> Zara Premji is a global news reporter. I'm just taking, again, I like to, you know, I was the guy who always liked to look at the special features on a DVD. Right. So I like to bring people in and see what's going to on. The inside baseball. Kristen, I thought you were going to say you were the guy in school who always enjoyed eating paste, but whatever. That's not very nice, Tristan. You're an aggressive young man. No, I'm not aggressive. I'm just, uh, I don't know. I'm happy it's Friday. Let's put it that way. <laughs> 322. We still have stuff to give away. We still have green fees oh for boy, Pinawa, stuff. Pinawa Golf Club. So we're going to do that at 335. We'll also hear from the 34th greatest Canadian of all time, Hal Anderson, uh, to tee up his weekend show. Because apparently doing two weeks of Jeff Courier's show and then doing his weekend show isn't enough. He's got to go 14 days in a row, although he did pause today. Greg, Well, Mashing he's still on the station today, though. Yeah, that's right. So he's a hard-working guy. We're going to talk to him at 3.35. We're going to have a look at your forecast and sports in two minutes. 3.37, Brett McGarry with Tristan Field-Jones. And just before we introduce number 34, we have stuff to give away. It's our final four green fees for Pinawa Golf Club. Northeast of Winnipeg, about an hour and a half from downtown, a little over an hour from the perimeter. If you're a golf enthusiast, there is a good chance you know the answer to this, and that's what I'm hoping for. The Women's PGA Championship is on this weekend. It is the second of five LPGA major championships this year. Today's question, who won last year's Women's PGA Championship? It's as easy, but ah, I'm okay with that. 204-780-6868. It's Friday. Well, you know, we want a, a, somebody who likes golf likely will know the answer. I want these pri- this prize to go to somebody who likes golf and not somebody with, you know, a phone in their hand with quick Google. I want somebody who knows it like that and can call. 204-780-6868 is the number to call while Jeff Fortier is handling those calls. Let me just turn that off and turn this on. It's one Hal Anderson joining us now. Where are you, Hal? Uh, actually, it's funny. I was uh, sitting on my deck here, and the uh, garbage truck pulled up and was making a hell of a racket here, and I thought, perfect timing. I'm going on with uh, uh, TFJ and Brett, and it's going to be uh, a racket, but uh, he's moved on, so I can talk to you. We're on the deck. We're sitting. Jackie is uh, cooking up some chicken because we're trying to get that stuff done. Before we go to the lake, so when we're at the lake uh, this weekend and uh, into next week, we can just enjoy and not have to cook. Well, you're going to have a well-deserved break. You've put in some oh. hours here, man, the last couple of weeks. I don't know how you do it. You're a workhorse. Well, I don't know. I, I didn't think I had it in me anymore, Brett. But you know what? 14 days yesterday, 14th uh, straight day, uh, and I get a day off, which was nice. I had a couple things I had to do. But I will be there tomorrow morning for Canada Day. I'll be there Sunday morning, and I will be there Monday morning. Shadow is off on Monday, so I'll be uh, on CGOB on Monday morning as well. Hal, I have to ask, I know you touched on it a little bit, but how are you celebrating Canada Day? Um, well, I'll be working, um, but that's okay. I, I think on the show we're going to uh, play some Canadian music. A listener suggested we do that, so I think we'll play a lot of Canadian music. We've got some uh, fun uh, Canadian pieces planned that will uh, we'll air, and, uh, and I think we'll, as we do every weekend, just kind of open up the phones and uh, just take people's calls about whatever they want to talk about. Maybe we'll ask the question, what is... What does it mean to be Canadian to you? What is it uh, like to be? I think it's important that on Canada Day we all take time to really appreciate, you know, the great country that we live in. We're so lucky to live in a country 
with all these freedoms, and uh, it's just, uh, it's great. In 150 years, I mean, it's an extra special celebration. All right, Hal, we're going to let you get back to enjoying some time on the deck and enjoy your chicken, and we'll see you tomorrow, all right? Thank you, boys. Appreciate it. All right, Hal Anderson joining us from his deck, live on 680 CJOB. And, uh, ooh, we have a winner. We have a winner for the Pinawa Golf Passes. I'm going to go with Sylvester Soja. 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 Ah, I was so close. Sylvester Soja. Congratulations. You have won yourself four green fees to Pinawa Golf Club. The Women's PGA Championship is on this weekend. The question was who won last year's Women's PGA Championship. And Tristan, I know, I know you're the big uh, you're sports enthusiast, so you knew this off the top of your head, but you mm-hmm. know, I want to make sure that uh, you know, we 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 keep that sports ego in check. I'll 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 handle the announcement of who it was. It's Brooke Henderson from Smith's Falls, Ontario. 18 years old at the time, defeats the world number one player, hmm. Lydia Ko, in a playoff at uh, a club in Sammamish, Washington. I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. Sammamish? 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 Washington. Somewhere in Washington. Mm-hmm. The state, not the capital. Right. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I'm kind of sitting here in awe right now because I'm pretty sure I just witnessed an entire conversation that Brian McGarry was having with himself. Yeah. You get into um, you, there's a method to the madness. You're just getting a peek into the madness. Well, it's madness for sure. Um, the method is <laughs> something. I don't know. I'm still determining that one. What are you doing this weekend, Tristan? You uh, gonna go out and party? Uh, you gonna go <laughs> get some? N- 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 no. Oh. I'm not gonna go party, Brett. I, I don't know. I mean, for Canada Day, uh, I, I live not too far from Assiniboine Park, uh, and so I'm definitely gonna check that out. It's a nice walk, and Assiniboine Park, I think, is probably the nicest park in the city. Okay. Uh, so I'll probably do that, and then um, yeah, the weekend is for me anyway. the 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 weekend's gonna be pretty pretty chill. I think I'll just hang out with a couple friends. I mean, i i I'm a huge uh, I'm a huge proponent of Canada. I yeah. like to celebrate this country. We don't do enough to celebrate this country. I think one of the moments just in my own lifetime when uh, the during the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, when Sidney Crosby scored the goal for men's hockey. Uh, in overtime and we saw so many Canadians celebrating and just and, and I think that's just one example there of how we've in my opinion as a country decided to celebrate who we are and after those Olympics that we did such a, f- a fine job with I think there were more Canadians who were happy to be Canadian and were happy to share that with the world and I, and I think that was really a defining moment then uh, and I think we need to continue doing that. We need to be, we need to define ourselves as who we are and not uh, the opposite of the United States or the opposite of this country. So um, anyway, that was well just, said. just my little rant there on that. Oh, that was fabulous. Well, that was a lot deeper than anything I have to offer. I'm going to celebrate uh, Canada by drinking know. some Canadian beer when I go golfing <laughs> on Sunday and Monday at Kingswood Golf Course in LaSalle. <laughs> and there it is, ladies and gentlemen. You saw that. Brett had the ball, and he saw the gutter, and boy, he's got exactly zero points. <laughs> <laughs> Traffic and weather up next. <laughs> 19 degrees at 680 CJOB. Weather is for Lotto Max. This, today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $15 million. I just straight up read that like Ron Burgundy. This, today's Lotto Max jackpot. I'm, hey, San Diego. Never mind. Okay. I'm going to start over. 
Weathers for Lottomax. This is jackpot today. <laughs> I did it again. Is an estimated $15 million. Buy your Lottomax ticket online at playnow.com. Enjoy responsibly. Tristan and I are a little bit punchy. We got, we got a text message from Kristen at 204-780-6868. Tristan was talking about how Assiniboine Park is a great place. And Kristen says, Tristan Field-Jones is now my new favorite CJOB employee. The park is awesome. Coming from a park employee. So I replied and said, Tristan is stupid. So <laughs> It made me laugh pretty hard because this is these are kind of the insults that go on on a daily basis uh, in the newsroom between myself and Brett. And uh, it's just, it's so juvenile, and yet it's so effective every single time. So um, I will definitely be at the, I don't know if I'll check out the zoo. I'll try and check out the zoo, but oh. I'll definitely be at the Cinnaboyne Park for sure and for a little she, bit. And she says if you come to the zoo tomorrow, she will 100% do everything in her power to hook you up with Uh-oh. emu cuddles. She actually sent a picture of some emu. I believe That's it's pronounced emus. Emu? Whatever. I don't care. Look, uh, who, look who's stupid now. Hmm. Oh, I never said I was smart. Gary <laughs> is texting us as well, once again, that it's all clear through Highway 1 East. Now it's uh, sounds like smooth sailing. I would expect uh, you know maybe a little bit of traffic as people are heading out, but sounds like the delays from the, the protest are all clear. Normally this is where we hear from Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. I'm going to guess that they're busy, hard at work getting ready for the news from oh, 4 yes. until 7 on 680 CJOB. So we do have a couple of minutes here. Tristan, you, did, you recorded a whole bunch of songs. Didn't get time to play well, all of them. We were talking about this... Uh, the Canadian Music Pandas. Let's end the show with some great Canadian music. I got a couple selections here. We mentioned a few sort of the older songs. Uh, oh, What a Feeling by Crowbar, kind of a one-hit wonder. Had played a bit, little bit of Chilliwack as well. Got a couple more recent songs. Um, and how about, uh, hang on a second there, and how about this one here? Don't know if you recognize this, but this is Feeling Good by the Sheepdogs, a more modern Canadian rock band. And uh, one of my favorite kind of more contemporary Canadian rock bands. We have a lot of really good, I think, uh, Canadian bands that wouldn't necessarily have uh, American appeal, if you will. Yep. But uh, like the Sheepdogs are one of them. Another band here, as an example here, uh, that I went to go see live with a couple friends of mine earlier this year. Are the Arkells. Fabulous performers. They were at the uh, Centennial Concert Hall. Uh, and this is their song, Whistleblower. Words, they keep dropping, they keep spilling from my hands on the paper. I'm in Virginia, it's 3 a.m. and I can't fall asleep. Just very good, Just very some good. selection from the things that I like. And I think, uh, Brett, what we'll do is to end the segment... I have to play a little bit of my favorite uh, Canadian group. I think they're my favorite Canadian group. You know what? No, they're not my favorite Canadian group. <laughs> well, make up your mind. I, I can't make up my mind because it's a battle for me between Rush and the Guess Who, and I love both of those. Okay. So they're they're tied for my favorite, but I think we'll end the show with a little bit of Rush afterwards. But do we have any text or anything to get through or any we little tips of, or anything? We got I lots mean, of text. We're getting more texts as well saying Highway 1 East is 
smooth sailing. So if you are heading that way, don't worry about taking a detour. Sounds like it's all clear. Thank you very much to the texters. We got to get out early for Cottage Country anyway. So how about you play your tune? This is Free Will by Rush. Uh, This was big in the 1980s. And uh, one of my favorite songs by them. I didn't want to play Tom Sawyer, kind of the typical stuff that we hear all the time. I like going for the deep cuts, if you will. But a little bit of Free Will Rush to guide you into the weekend. I, I, I want to play something quick before we uh, get out of here as well. Best of you, I'll remove you quicker than a band-aid. Pay backstage and I'm gone like a renegade. And I don't delay. Check the OR. Check the OR. You like it so far? Organized rhyme. Tom Green. Yeah. One of the lyrics is, uh, check the OJ because I got juice. I lay more chicks than Mother Goose. This is a rap song from the 19, early 1990s, I believe. Tom Green. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, you're such a sad individual. <laughs> Come on, it's a great rap song. You're such, it's just we have this great Canadian rock in there. Brett's like, here's something great. Listen, listen, everybody. I can play music. Cottage Country is next. It's right now, actually. By the way, thanks to Jeff Forte and Master Control. Thanks to Tristan Field-Jones doing a marvelous job filling in today. Thanks for all the help from the newsroom. We had such a busy day. Julie Buckingham coming in with all of that background knowledge on the protest situation. Uh, as far as the forecast for Cottage Country, South Beach Casino and Resort is who it's brought to you by. Celebrate Canada Day with South Beach Festival of Flavors. Enjoy a $15 certified Angus beef buffet, 30 minutes north on Highway 59. For the Interlake, Grand Beach, and the White Shell, cloudy tonight, low of 12 in the Interlake, even colder in the White Shell, and a low of 8. Cloudy tomorrow with a good chance of more rain and maybe a thunderstorm and a high of 22 Sunny on Sunday with a high 24. Monday, sunny and 27. Did I thank you, Jeff Fortier, yet? Thanks, Jeff Fortier, Master Control. And thank you for listening to 680 CJOB.